DJ and PK, Eric Walden, jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, joins us now. He's on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint is a network built for Unlimited with great deals on great devices every day. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Eric, good morning. How's it going, DJ? Uh, nothing really going on. My head didn't explode about 6.30 yesterday. We didn't have 20 people <laughs> running around the newsroom going, What? <laughs> Yeah, just another ho-hum day in the NBA, right? I know, really. You know, I saw the most awesome stat on Twitter last night. Uh, someone clipped the Wikipedia page for the 2017 All-Star Game, and basically like three-quarters of the players in that game have changed teams. Some have been on three teams. One has been on four. Seven of the ten starters are on different teams now. Nothing says the NBA has gone upside down in the last two and a half years like that. That was pretty wild. Yeah, I saw that exact same tweet that you right. did. Yeah. yeah, my eyes kind of bugged out a little bit. It's like you knew that this had been, you know, this in particular had been a crazy summer, and you knew that you know it wasn't just confined to this summer that there'd been some of that star player movement. But yeah, once you saw that particular thing with just that sheer amount of movement of of all stars, you know, yeah. I think it was something like what seven of the twenty four guys remaining on their original right. teams from that time and it's just like okay this is this has gotten a little crazy so when you hear the news that uh houston found a taker for chris paul's contract and now the speculation that oklahoma city is going to find a taker probably miami does it just blow your mind i thought that was the contract that couldn't be moved you know what it i don't want to be that guy i i would i would say no because uh me and my Tribune partner, Andy Larson, we always have these arguments where we're like, well, what if this happened? What if this happened? And inevitably, he's the guy, you know, he's this very irrational person. He comes from a math background. He's like, well, who would take on that contract? Like, that contract is immovable. And I said, have you not paid attention to the NBA? There's always someone who thinks they can pull it off. There's always someone willing to do it. Um, so, yeah, it's like while – while that contract certainly didn't age well, and while it's no surprise that Houston was looking to get rid of it, uh, I can't say I'm honestly shocked that there was someone out there willing to take it on, you know? And, I mean, that, that's the crazy thing. Like, Oklahoma City takes it on for now, and, and yeah, just listening to you and, and PK before, like, it's pretty. it seems pretty clear someone else is going to be taking it on shortly, right? So do you think this Houston uh, trade elevated them above the Jazz? Because I think in most Jazz fans' minds, they thought, okay, if the Jazz face the Rockets in the playoff series, now the Jazz have the perimeter shooting to win it. The last three games in that series look different. If they hit open shots, they can beat this team. Do you think, do you think that's true now after this trade? That is an excellent question. Um, I was never quite on, as down as Pete. On Houston, as a lot of people were this summer, I know that it's really interesting because they hadn't made a whole lot of moves, but just that those reports of friction between James Harden and Chris Paul kind of had a psychological effect of, of making you think that Houston somehow got a lot worse than what they really were. Uh, as for whether they're better or not, I don't know. I mean, they, they certainly didn't get worse swapping a declining Chris Paul for, for Russell Westbrook, right? It'll be intriguing to see what his fit is there. Um, he's not a shooter, but maybe him being surrounded by shooters, by James, like James Harden, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, 
who knows? Maybe this is the key to kind of like fully unlocking his his playoff potential. Um, that said, like the Jazz have had an incredible summer themselves, and I think they're certainly two of the top teams in the West. You know, they're up there with the Clippers. Uh, we'll have to see how the Lakers come together, but uh, I don't think you know it, it's hard to predict right now without just kind of seeing how these teams are able to mesh. You know, the Jazz were behind Denver and Portland last year. They were two and three. Do you think the Jazz have apparently from what you just said? I guess you think the Jazz have definitely caught both of those clubs and passed. Them. Yeah, I think so. Portland, I don't really love what they've done this summer. Uh, Denver. I think Denver is still really good. You know, Nikola Jokic is an incredible talent. Um, Jamal Murray is continuing to get better. That said, I mean, you just look at these moves that Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck pulled off. The addition of Mike Conley, you know, uh, much as we loved Ricky Rubio around here and he did some great things, I don't think anyone is saying that Mike Conley isn't a significant talent upgrade. Uh, you know, and then, as you alluded to, in that playoff series against Houston, the Jazz had so many open looks from three. Uh, in fact, in analyzing the playoff stats, they had averaged more wide-open three-point attempts than any team in the playoffs. The problem was they were one of the worst at converting them. And so you had Conley, you had Boyan Bogdanovich, you had Jeff Green, who's not necessarily an elite three-point shooter, but who playing the stretch four is, uh, a considerable upgrade over Derek's favors in, in terms of knocking down shots from distance. And you have to really like what this team has done. I mean, obviously it'll take some time for everything to gel, for guys to get used to playing with each other. But once they do that, I think uh, there's every reason to be incredibly optimistic. So when you look around the uh, the East – did everybody go backwards? Whoever comes out of the West wins the NBA Finals? You'd have to think so. Um, you know, I guess you need to allow for the possibility that Giannis Antetokounmpo makes another, you know, uh, another transcendent leap in his game, which he's young enough and talented enough that you don't discount it. But at the same time, I think Milwaukee took a little bit of a step back in losing Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I really don't know what Philadelphia is doing going with that big lineup. I mean, I understand like Al Horford gave Joel Embiid trouble, but then going out and adding him, like, are those guys going to play together? They've got an ultra big lineup. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of shooters on that roster. Uh, I think you have to say Boston probably took a bit of a step back. So we'll see what Kemba Walker can bring. Maybe, uh, you know, in their situation is addition by subtraction in terms of losing Kyrie Irving, just considering that, uh, you know, he didn't seem to be able to get along with anyone. And his foray into leading a franchise himself didn't go very well. But, um, yeah, and then Toronto losing Kawhi Leonard, they're certainly going to regress. So, you probably have to consider whoever comes out of the West a definitive favorite. Are we really done with big moves now? Or is there one more out there? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say it can't happen. I, I have no idea what it would be at this point. But, uh, you know, I've got a story coming up on sltrip.com later today 
it kind of alludes to the fact that, you know, NBA roster construction is a job that uh, is never 100% done. You know, it's like teams are constantly looking for the next upgrade. They're constantly looking for the next counter-strike, you know, to respond to a move like this. Uh, they're constantly looking to recover from an unexpected injury. Someone's always looking to, you know, take advantage of an opportunity to stockpile, you know, some future asset, which might encourage them to move a guy who they previously wouldn't. So, you know, I don't know what it would be, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be surprised if, if some other bombshell comes along and, and just makes us, you know, makes all our eyes bug out yet again. Eric Walden joining us, jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. So, it's about the big moves at the top because it's a star-driven league and certainly the playoffs, but you do need guys to contribute who aren't making much money because you're paying the, the top guys so much. Now, Royce O'Neal at $1.6 million in the final year of his deal, that's the kind of guy you've got to have making that kind of money, but it doesn't last because his deal will be up. If he plays as well as we all think he's going to play, he's going to get 5 or 7 or 10 or whatever million dollars from somebody, and he'll become a more expensive guy a year from now. So the Jazz have to keep, like everyone else, keep getting young guys behind him who are less expensive or, or veterans in on the minimum. How far away is Brantley from being a guy who can tr- contribute, maybe the way Royce did last year, where – 20 minutes a game, significant, but not a ton of time, but able to play all 82 games and, and help the club. How far away is uh, Brantley now that you've watched the second-round draft pick in the in the summer league? Yeah, he's such an intriguing player because he's got such a unique skill set for a big man. I mean, first off, he's 6'7", 250. You know, he's in this era of, uh, of small ball and uh, positional flexibility, uh, you know, positionless basketball. He's not that. He's he's a legit old school, you know, Carl Malone's type, Carl Malone type power forward. He's got an NBA ready body. Um, could maybe stand to tone up a little bit, but then on top of that, you know, he's a kid who is not afraid to take a step back three pointer to, uh, you know, uh, unfurl a crossover. To they had a game here at the Salt Lake City Summer League that came down to the wire. And he decided to uh, go ISO one-on-one. So he's got confidence. He's got some skills. Uh, the problem is he hasn't really harnessed a whole lot of that yet. You know, he kind of needs to learn how to play a little bit more within the system. Um, I'd be a little surprised if he was a consistent contributor this season. I think it may take him a year to really kind of acclimate fully to the NBA game. But I wouldn't be shocked if he gets the occasional call-up, the occasional kind of uh, spot performance this season, and then probably a year from now is when I would really expect him to be able to contribute on a on a consistent basis. The Jazz obviously like all three of their second-round picks. They wouldn't have gone out and acquired two additional picks. What have you thought of the other two guys, and, and how far away are they? So... Yeah, I think Brantley is definitely kind of in the lead of the three. I would say Mie Oni is probably second. He's another guy who's got an NBA body. Um, they look at him. They like his defensive capability. Um, you know, he's, he's able to play some 3 and D right now. The question is, how good is he, you know, on the threes? Obviously, he's he started off the Vegas Summer League shooting incredibly well from distance. He's cooled off a little the last few games. 
Uh, the, the other thing you see out of him is he's really kind of turnover prone right now. Um, he's, he's really struggled at times to kind of ascertain what's going on on the court. Like his court vision hasn't caught up quite yet with the rest of his game, but I know that the Jazz like him. I know they see potential in him. Justin Wright Foreman is uh, the one of the three who really has most struggled. And part of that is he's a 6'2 guard, and so you automatically assume point guard, which he never was. I mean, he averaged 27 points a game playing for Hofstra last year. He basically was just – he had to be a shameless gunner. He finished second in the nation of scoring. And now all of a sudden he comes to the NBA – and, you know, that's not going to be his role with the Jazz, obviously. And so they're trying to teach him to play point guard. They're trying to expand his court vision. They're trying to, you know, develop his capability to set up teammates, to make reads and react to those. And, you know, it's been – this is something that he hasn't done before. And, and it's a struggle, and it's going to take some time. So, yeah, he's definitely kind of pulling up the rear right now, which doesn't mean he can't do it. It just means that – He's got the the most ground to make up at the moment. So, Eric, you sent a tweet out. Hey, everybody, I'm making my debut on the DJ and PK show with that David DJ James at PK Kinahan. Listen in on Zone Sports Net to hear the latest on the jazz and surely some reminiscences about how PK taught me everything I know, parenthesis, which would explain a lot. Period. <laughs> Laughing till I'm crying emoji. You tagged PK Kinahan. He saw it. And we have this open mic feature on our app where you can zip off 15 seconds of audio. Here's what PK had to say about that tweet. Yes, it is true. I taught Eric everything that he knows about journalism. One thing I had to teach him, though, is stop asking all the U of U women's basketball players out on a date each time he interviewed them. <laughs> is there a backstory there we need to know, Eric? Uh, the backstory is that uh, PK's memory is faulty. It was the members of the U volleyball team that I was asking out after every interview. Okay, well, we'll leave that right there. Then. <laughs> Uncomfortable silence. All right, Eric, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us and uh, talking jazz and talking NBA craziness and Maybe you'll actually get, you know, a few weeks off with no breaking NBA news and you can go lie on a beach somewhere. Yeah, we can hope so. I'm not counting on it quite yet, though. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll, we'll get to August and then, and then we'll, we'll plan on something. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, CJ.